this is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Thanks for joining me today. This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, good morning and thanks for tuning in today. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8 is our starting point. We're coming off our study of three chapters in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, in which Solomon had more to say about uh, sexual immorality than any other single topic in these introductory 10 speeches in these opening chapters of Proverbs here. And I don't think it's by accident that when we come to Proverbs chapter 8, um, we find this renewed call from wisdom. So there's been these four different speeches of wisdom personified, you might say, where Solomon presents wisdom as a woman who's calling out in the streets for people to listen to her. And she's appealing uh, to the young man specifically and um, speaking of the consequences and, and the rewards for either obeying or refusing her. And so this is the the third, the next to last speech from from wisdom. I don't think it's by accident that this comes on the heels of this big discussion about the woman of folly or the seductress or the strange woman as she's presented in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. So I think Solomon wants us to have this this stark contrast in our minds. He, he wants us to have this vivid picture of a woman of folly, of a seductress, of an adulteress who's going to try and lure us away from serving God and lure us away into destruction. The verse is this, um, versus wisdom uh, personified as as a woman, as a, as a woman who is trustworthy, as a woman who um, has great reward, who is genuine, who's, who's honest. And um, I want to explore that with you this morning in Proverbs chapter 8. So this is, we're coming to the conclusion of the the, the ten speeches and, and the poems of wisdom before we actually get to, in chapter 10, we're just a couple of chapters away from the actual Proverbs, those short little sayings or one-liners that offer, you know, this concise wisdom about some facet of life. And so we're coming up on the, the end of that. And so this is kind of a, a, a fitting climax here. This is kind of the the peak of the, the conclusion of these these speeches and this it's been an extended appeal for a young person we know that Solomon is speaking to his his son or his sons but you know really we could say this is this is for all people this is for every young person and really every person not just young people to devote um, his or her life to pursuing wisdom you know and there's there's several contrasts here that I want to uh, look at with you from the previous chapter. And we'll just open up here by going to verse 1 in Proverbs chapter 8 and, and reading there. Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights besides the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the door, she cries out, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence. And O fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness, and there is nothing crooked or perverted in them. 
They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. Power is mine. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. And we'll stop right there. We'll make some observations from this text now. That's a a lengthy text to consider. Um, But there's a lot of overlap here in what's been said before, not only by Solomon, but in these different speeches in which wisdom is personified. Albert Einstein once said that any fool can know, but the point is to understand, he said. And I like that saying because I think it's I think it's biblical. And I think when we look in the Bible, we see that there can't be any understanding, there can't be any wisdom, there can't be uh, any any knowledge of the Word of God without first there being a, a desire to understand, without there being a desire, a real genuine desire for knowledge, not just to have a a head knowledge, but to truly understand what the scripture is saying about God and understand him to the best of our ability and what, what he would have us do in our lives here. You know, Paul spoke of a category of people in second Timothy in second Timothy three and verse seven. He said that these people, this category of people he's talking about, he said they would always be learning. They would always be learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And that's so interesting to me that you could have folks who know the Bible, who are always learning. And Paul even says it in that text that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. And so they are are they're knowledgeable and they even have a form of godliness. It's a kind of going through the motions godliness. It appears genuine, what he says, but they're never really able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And if you look at that context, he answers the question, why? So why why are they not able to come to knowledge of the truth? And he says, they're lovers of self, and they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He says a number of other things about them to, to describe them, but uh, those are key. What, what, what are their desires? What do they love? Well, they love themselves, and they love their pleasures and entertainment, and they're all about the here and now, and they, they don't really love God. They're not really seeking to know and understand Him and, and His will. And that's consistent, I think, with what we see in these calls of uh, of wisdom to wisdom and also other, other scriptures like Jesus chapter, uh, Jesus in John chapter 8, when He's talking to a group of Pharisees, I believe, in that context. They're arguing with Him. And He says in verse 43, why don't you understand what I'm saying? And he says, it's because you cannot. He says, it's because you cannot hear my word. And so that's a, a little bit of a, of a stronger angle, we might say. Jesus is saying, you're unable. You, you, have, you have an inability to understand. And then when we look at the, look in the context, Jesus tells us why. He tells them why. But we can learn from this too. He says, you want, you want to do the desires 
of your father. And in that context, he says, your father is the devil. And he's been lying from the beginning, and he's the father of lies, and you know, he's been murdering from the beginning, and Jesus goes on. But but the key is, the issue is one of desire. And Jesus says, your inability to understand truth, to come to a knowledge of the truth, and understand what I'm saying, that's rooted in this evil desire that you have. They didn't they didn't desire the truth. They didn't love truth. And so naturally, they had no real interest in learning it or applying it. They were just out to get him and discredit him. And they hated everyone who taught the truth. And that certainly included, and especially we'd say, was Jesus. And they did that to their own destruction. Of course, if you deny deny him, he's he's our only hope of, of salvation. And, and in him, we see the father we see god more clearly than than ever before right hebrews chapter 1 says he's the exact representation of god's nature and so the same is true today that when paul says wickedness deceives those who are perishing and paul says they perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved and so this message this theme is is consistent is that there can be no understanding without first there being a desire to understand a desire for truth a, a love for truth as paul says in second thessalonians 2 10 and without that going back to john 8 jesus says you'll be unable to understand and you won't be able to get out of your own way and of course that leads to our own destruction right as we've seen in these opening chapters it's it's the fool who despises instruction it's the fool who rejects discipline it's the it's the fool who who despises rebuke and he he doesn't want to hear it right and part of the truth is hearing hard things right hearing those rebukes and, and applying them to our own lives and so as we come you know to these final speeches as 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 we've seen where again wisdom is speaking wisdom personified it shouldn't come as any surprise to us that she says i love those who love me i love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me and so it's the same message again right those who have this real and genuine desire to discover me, to find the wisdom and knowledge of God. Those are the ones who find me, those who diligently seek me. And wisdom says, I love those who love me, right? That's speaking to desire. That's speaking to motive. And we have to have the right motive if we're ever going to get off the ground here and make progress. And in this text, we see a number of different areas in which wisdom is, is contrasted with the adulteress or the seductress that we've spent three chapters looking at in our last study. And if you notice, if you remember in, in chapter seven, that the, the seductress or the adulterous woman, the strange woman who's trying to lure the young man away into illicit sex, that she calls to the young man from darkness and in secret. In chapter seven and in, in verse nine, if you back up there, it says that in the twilight, and in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness, behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She's boisterous and rebellious. 
her feet do not remain at home. And so this is how she operates. She operates, the adulteress operates within the shadows and in, in, in secret and in, in the dark. And she propagates, and she rather makes herself available. She puts herself in a position where she seems to be all over the place, but she slinks around in the shadows to be to be sure. But wisdom's call is is open and and public. She doesn't hide in, in the shadows, right? Those first three verses we saw in chapter eight, on the top of the heights, beside the way where the paths meet, that's where she takes her stand. And we've seen in previous chapters too. She's in the square. She's in the um, she's in the city. She's at the gates of the city. Uh, and here we see that again beside the gates, the opening to the city at the entrance of the door, she cries out. And so wisdom is not slinking around in the shadows. She's she's open to to the public and wants all people to come to her. She has nothing to hide. She's not doing anything disingenuous. She's a woman, so to speak, of, of integrity. And that's just the opposite of the seductress, right? Behold, it says in verse 10, we read, a woman comes to meet him and she's dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. So what does that mean? We we know what that is a reference to, right? She's she's loose morally, specifically we'd say sexually, but she's she's morally loose. She's not a holy and godly woman, whereas wisdom, wisdom is all the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness and there is nothing crooked or perverted in them. In verse 8 that we read of chapter 8. So wisdom is not unreliable. She's not wayward. As opposed to, again, the, the seductress that says her feet don't remain at home. She's boisterous. She's rebellious. Wisdom is the opposite. It's She's truthful. She's faithful. She's not in rebellion. She's seeking the best for those who are actually wanting to learn from her. Verse 9 of chapter 8. All the sayings, again, of her mouth are straightforward. They're straightforward to him who understands. And so, over and over again, we find these these contrasts in, in wisdom all the way through with, with the adulteress. Right? The, the adulteress ultimately following her and committing sin with her and living her, uh, living her philosophy, so to speak, that, that leads to death. Her house is the way to Sheol, 727, chapter 7, verse 27, descending to the chambers of death. She has many victims that she's cast down, verse 26, and numerous are all her slain. But wisdom, wisdom is the way to life, verse 18, which is the very next verse. We stopped in verse 17, but verse 18 says, Riches and honor are with me, and enduring wealth and righteousness so wisdom offers blessing and surety and, and life, ultimately. It reminds me of what Paul said to, to Timothy about the, the scriptures. He says, you've known the sacred writings from your youth, and they're able to make you wise to salvation. So true wisdom comes from the word of God and from, from the mouth of God, which all scripture is, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. Uh, but wisdom... Wisdom ultimately leads to life if we'll if we'll have the humility to to receive it and and genuinely desire desire it uh, to to learn it and to apply it in our lives. And while we see wisdom here personified as uh, as a woman, we we need to remember 
And I think we do remember that this is you know, this is a just a literary device that Solomon is using, right, to to speak about the qualities of, of wisdom and the rewards that are offered in it. But wisdom itself, actual wisdom is is an attribute of of God. Job twelve and, and verse thirteen says that with God are wisdom and might, and to him belong counsel and understanding. And Paul says in Ephesians 1 and, and verse 8, that uh, God has all wisdom and all insight. And again, Jeremiah 10 and verse 12 says, Who established the world, that God established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding he has stretched on the heavens. And, and we actually see that come through the, those same themes here within this text. If you were to continue reading down, we kind of we get this lengthy discussion that involves um, creation in verse 25, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. Verse 27, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, I was there. So um, we see that, you know, as wisdom is personified, she's pointing to God ultimately as the source of wisdom and who used it to create all things, right? The, the wisdom of God is revealed in, in Scripture, as well. It's not just a personal attribute that, that he has, but he's ultimately shared it to some degree with us to to the extent that we can comprehend it. David said in Psalm 19 and verse 7 that the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul and the testimony of the, of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. He goes on from there. It's a beautiful text in, in Scripture. And ultimately, all of Scripture is pointing to one man who would come and, and reconcile us back to God through what he would do in, with his life and, and ultimately offering up his life as a sacrifice for sins. And that is Jesus Christ. And so in the New Testament, when in, in a number of places, First Corinthians is is one of those places. But in a number of places, we see where Jesus Christ is spoken of as wisdom from God, the power of God and the wisdom of God. First Corinthians one twenty four, and also in verse verse thirty, as the wisdom of God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, and that fits the prophecies that were that were made about him. In Isaiah eleven and verse two, for example, it says that the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength. And so Jesus, you know, the scripture is telling us that he he became to us wisdom from God, that he would have the spirit of wisdom. And the book of Proverbs, like all scripture, is pointing us to Jesus Christ. And so I think the emphasis of this chapter as is you know the as it fits with the entire theme of scripture is is to show that we're ultimately speaking of Jesus Christ who is wisdom from God and we see a lot of similarities here with wisdom personified in, in Proverbs 8 as a woman of course but with Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and what he did in in his life and one of those similarities that we see is uh, just the plea 
that we find from wisdom in, in Jesus as well. And so we saw at the beginning of this chapter that wisdom is portrayed as, as going through the city and, and loudly uh, pleading and shouting to the naive to listen to her and to learn from her in verses 1 through 4. And in, in the earlier chapters as well, in chapter 1 of Proverbs, you know, that, that first poem where Solomon says that wisdom is shouting in the street, she's lifting her voice in, in the square trying to get people's attention. Um, but we see in Jesus another another similar plea. He also pleaded with people, come to me. Right? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And so... Just as wisdom is, is appealing to all men to come to her and learn and find rest and peace and, and all the rewards that are that are mentioned in these various texts. So Jesus too, as as wisdom, um, as as wisdom and power from God, uh, that ultimately Proverbs is pointing to, like all Scripture says, all men can and should come to me, and they will find rest for their souls. He's gentle and humble in heart. His yoke is easy. His his burden is is light. That we can obey him and find peace and joy and comfort and strength and, and all the same things that wisdom speaks of in, in the book of, of Proverbs. And this is it's it's indiscriminate. It's for it's for all people. It's not for just a special class or category of people, because wisdom is calling out to to everyone, right? She's, she says, O oh, men, and my voice goes to the sons of men, in verses 4 and 5, and to the naive one, she wants uh, all people to listen, right? She's not turning her nose up at, at anybody, even if they're foolish and, and they have been re, uh, refusing to, uh, to, to seek God. She still calls out to them. And Jesus, Jesus is the same way, that he went to all kinds of people he ate with tax collectors and, and sinners and he um, he convicted Pharisees and and you know a woman by the well and uh, who was a Samaritan you know in, in those days when Samaritans didn't have any dealings with the Jewish people and so Jesus was indiscriminate in, in his invitation also he he sought out sinners and he seeks out every person you and me and all those who are far off from him and he's He's offering us the same, the same gift, right? If anyone is thirsty, Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. John 7, 37 and 38. Another similarity I think that we see in the text, if you drop down to verses uh, 6 through 8, that's where we read in, in chapter 8 that wisdom says that uh, she utters righteousness and she speaks noble things and that it's an abomination to her lips um, to, to, to say wickedness or to speak wickedness. And so uh, she goes on to say there's nothing false or crooked or perverse in, in her, her teaching. And I, that is, that's a perfect anticipation of what Jesus would be and what he would do. There was... 
Peter says there was no deceit. He, there, he was without sin, and nor was there any deceit found in his mouth, but he was perfect. He was the unblemished Lamb of God. He was perfect in, in all of his ways, and he still he still is. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul says too there that Jesus knew no sin, but he became a sin offering on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And again, the Hebrew writer says that even though Jesus was tempted, he, he was tempted in all ways that we're tempted, yet he was without sin so that we might have a high priest who can sympathize with our, our weaknesses. He understands as truth incarnate, as the word of God, as wisdom from God, he is he condescended to us so that so that we could take advantage of the blessings that he's offering. Wisdom wisdom is not discovered by the proud. It's not gained through reason. There are a lot of smart people in the world with degrees and accolades and titles who are simply lost. There's people of all stripes in the world who who are lost. And again, it goes back to um, the what we talked about at the beginning of our lesson, that lack of desire that lack of desire for, for real wisdom and, and knowledge because wisdom reveals itself only to those who seek a spiritual under, understanding. And we have to humble ourselves. As Jesus said, whoever humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. As, as James says in James one twenty one, that we can, that the word has the power to save our souls, but we have to receive it with humility he says in James chapter 1, and I forget the verse at, at the moment, uh, but it's around verse 19, I think, through 21. And so um, if we don't, if we don't see this as, if, as we don't, if we don't see wisdom, if we don't see Jesus and the gift that he offered and, and the sacrifice that he made as something uh, precious, as something to be treasured, well, then, you know, we're not going to we're not going to spend time on things that we don't value, right? That's, that's not going to be one of our, our goals. We're not going to pursue it uh, so long as we're chasing after money or pleasure or fame or whatever the case may be, right? Just like Paul said, that those those men who had a head knowledge and even a form of godliness in 2 Timothy 3, they were ultimately lovers of self and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so the point is, is if... I lack wisdom, and if you lack wisdom, it's not because we're we're slow or we have some sort of mental block or it's an intellectual kind of of issue. No, it's not. It's not a matter of intellect. It's it's because we haven't valued it as highly as we should have. Right? The the wisdom again, wisdom is putting yourself out there. It's right in front of us. God has put it at our fingertips in His holy word. And, and wisdom is saying that she's better than gold and we should pursue her rather than than silver. And Jesus, likewise, is the greatest gift that God has offered to mankind. And Paul says in Colossians 2 and verse 3 that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the pearl of great value and the treasure hidden in a field. But if we're going to take advantage of the blessings that he offers, we have to fully commit ourselves to wisdom and be honest 
with ourselves about who we are and what we're truly valuing. And if it's going to be worth it in the end, it's if it's going to save our souls. And the answer is no, because there's only one person who can do that. And that's Jesus Christ. You can't have wisdom as your bride while keeping folly as your mistress. There's no room for straddling the fence. We have to treasure Jesus and the wisdom that he offers. We have to answer his call. This says we have to answer the call of wisdom. They're, they're one and the same. And the invitation is for all. So have we answered it? If we look at our lives, are we, are we, are we truly pursuing Jesus Christ? Are we trying to understand his will? Are we trying to understand him? Do we even believe that he is the exact representation of, of his heavenly father, the one who created us? And that he is co-eternal with, with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And if not, why not? Because all the signs are, and all of Scripture is pointing to him as the answer to life's questions. And he's our only hope to survive the judgment. So would you not obey him and his gospel? Would you not partake of his wisdom and use it? And live for God. And find the truth in his words. That his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that he will find, he will give rest to our souls. I hope you continue to pray about these things. I'm going to do the same. And I look forward to studying with you next week. I'm Jason Garcia. And this has been Faithful Sayings 